We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. And now he's bringing that entertaining style to Blue Wire on Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares. We'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. He'll talk about the state of boxing, which I'm very interested in. As a person who's always tried to get into the sport but feels like maybe the sport's lost its way, I'm really interested to get a pro's thoughts on that. And then he'll talk a lot about his journey from being a kid on the streets to becoming a boxing champ and that kind of uh, that story of how a professional athlete grows into that is always very interesting to me. So I'm super excited to listen to what he has to say on that. He'll also talk about sports, music, culture, and family life. It's not going to be strictly boxing. It's going to be a ton about uh, the man himself as well. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there is Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And... The vibe this week in 49er land is much different than it was a week ago. Yeah, it feels I, like a 180. 
a complete 180 and it's it typifies that nfl cliche that it's a week-to-week league um and that's exactly what it is and that's exactly why it's it's really difficult to predict what happens because there's a week where we saw it earlier in the season where the niners uh, look like a dominant team or at least have dominant tendencies against a bad team in the giants and then come home and lay an egg and then they lose two straight games um, including an embarrassing loss to the Dolphins, and that's what all the players were saying about the game. And then they come back and beat a previously 4-1 team who a lot of people have as, as a trendy contender pick in the NFC. And now at 3-3, three and three, the 49ers are back to their starting point. Um, it hasn't been pretty for sure, and they've dealt with a ton of injuries, but the fact that they made it through the first six games um, at the 500 mark, considering everything we've seen is really positive now and instead of being two and four where the we'd be talking about when should we talk about the uh the draft order right we would be like is it too early to have that conversation yeah. like that's that's what the podcast would have been like today if the 49ers were two and four and now instead you say okay like the the patriots looked beatable obviously because they just lost to the broncos and now the 49ers just handed it to a Rams team that a lot of people think um, is really good. And I still do think it was really good. But now the 49ers have sort of established their, you know, their identity again, sort of who they are as a team, what they can do well right now while Jimmy Garoppolo is dealing with this ankle injury. And it's really nothing but encouraging um, because they won that game and still had and still made a lot of mistakes. Um, they, they could have won by a lot more, I thought. Um, the defense totally punched above its weight and had a hell of a game. Um, Emmanuel Mosley was was excellent. Jason Verrett was excellent. Um, obviously, the cornerback play couldn't be any more different in that game than what happened against the Dolphins. So overall, yeah, you mentioned it. It's like it's a completely different football team right now than it was this time last week, for sure. And the outlook looks a lot different, too. They lose to the Dolphins 43-17, and we said it on the podcast. It was like, hey, it's really hard to, to start picking out wins in their in their next nine or ten games. But if they continue playing the rest of the way like they did Sunday night and looking more like the 2019 49ers with a very good defense, albeit constructed a little differently because of injuries, but... A sound, very good defense and an offense that keeps defenses on their heels and doesn't allow the defense to kind of tee off on their quarterback. Now they've got something. And we'll we'll get into throughout the pod here how how sustainable that performance was. But I wanna I wanna get into first uh the the news from Kyle Shanahan's press conference today. You were on the press conference. Um, looks like Raheem Mostert, Ben Garland are both headed to IR. Mostert with a high ankle sprain. Ben Garland with a calf strain. Trent Williams is dealing with an ankle injury. Jaquaski Tart is dealing with a groin injury. All pretty significant uh, things coming out of the, the game for the 49ers injury-wise. Yeah, the Mostert thing is a, is a big one, and, and as yeah. the season has gone on, um, watching Mostert play, I, I think I either underrated his value to last year's team, or he's gotten significantly better since last season. 
um, because now he's he suddenly went to somebody who you know I sort of thought was like all right maybe this guy's a one trick pony sort of an outside rusher who is a really important part of the offense because that's what the basis of the offense is but you need to have a stable of backs um, you know to complement him and and maybe that's still true because he this is his second injury of the season now. But losing him right now with the way he was playing, I, I tweeted it during the game. I just said I, I thought he was playing his ass off. And, like, he didn't have any uh, incredible runs. He had a, a 115-yarder after a penalty. I think it came on a first and 16 or something like that. Um, that that was really impressive. But, you know, stiff-arming dudes, running through guys, um, carrying three tacklers is not something that uh, I've seen from Raheem Mostert or that anybody I've seen from Raheem Mostert really and it was just a really impressive game. And then you look up, he's got 16 carries in the first half. Carry number 17 is what he leaves the game on. You know, like that's that's sort of throughout his time has been the maximum allotment of, of carries or workload that you've been able to, to give Raheem Mostert in the NFC title game. Obviously, he had a huge game and a ton of carries, but... Um, that I think that's that's clearly the outlier more so more so than the norm right now for him, but it's a big loss because now you're going to New England. Um, you got Seattle after that. You got the Packers after that. Right. Um, the Saints after that. If he has to miss a month, we know these high ankle sprains can be really problematic, particularly especially for, for a running. Yep. Yeah, especially for a running back. We can't compare Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert's injuries because. Um, there's no way Mostert would be playing right now if, if he had a high ankle sprain from week two like Garoppolo did. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's a big loss. We'll we'll see on Trent Williams um, and Jaquaski tart Shanahan said they're still waiting imaging on that. Um, if Trent Williams can't play, that would obviously be a big blow. But, um, you know, we saw the team play pretty well with Justin School last year. It wouldn't be ideal, obviously, if it's a long-term thing. But I think you could patch that together on the left side of the offensive line. Um Shaquasi Tart, there's a clear drop off from him to Marcel Harris, so that could potentially be yeah. big. Um, we'll see about that later in the week. But the Ben Garland thing is rough, particularly now because Kyle Shanahan revealed it today. Um, Weston Richburg, who was on PUP after having surgery to repair uh, the patella tendon in his knee last from the injury last December in New Orleans, he actually had shoulder surgery in the offseason, and that hadn't been out there. Um, until today, and Kyle Shanahan said week 12 at the earliest for Richburg. Um, so no matter how you slice it now, Richburg's going to miss most of the season. Yeah. Um, and potentially, if the 49ers don't make the playoffs, just you know four regular season games. Um, and now they're down to their third-string center with Ronis Grasso, uh, who has played well, but is a guy that they got in early August. And, you know, that's that's a really important position, particularly for an offensive line that has that has had communication issues yeah. Um, you know, during the first five games of the season. And the offensive line was excellent on, on Sunday. We'll talk about that. Um, but it's crazy, man. No matter, you know, at every it, – it feels like every good thing – you know, the 49ers won that Jets game, but it really felt like a loss week for them because of the Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas injuries right. and the Garoppolo and Mostert injuries. Um, you know, the Giants game was encouraging, but, like, since then – you know, it's a team that's three and three, but it feels like two and four a little bit, just like in terms of it, the mood of the season. They've had to fight like hell to get to three and three. Right, exactly. It's been and a just grind. given the injuries, it feels like it feels like two and four, sort of at best. Right. But three and three is a isn't the worst place um, to be right now, and uh, 
So we'll see if if they can weather these injuries, but it's going to be it's it's going to be really tough, but you regardless, you still got to be encouraged by Sunday. <laughs> I don't want this to I don't want to turn this into a big thing because I have a point on Raheem Mostert to move the conversation forward, but just because of how football is and when you looked at the Niners 13 and 3 record last year, you'll have people that argue they were a couple plays away from going 16 and 0. They were a couple plays away from going 10 and 6. This right. year, <laughs> If Debo Samuel comes down with a Hail Mary against the Eagles, they're 4-2. and two. And if Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo uh, doesn't doesn't throw an incompletion on a fourth down against the Cardinals, they're 5-1. and one. Right. Uh, which is which is wild. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just that my my point is not to say that the 49ers should be 5-1. and one. It's that football seasons and football games can can turn on one or two plays like that. And the 49ers were on the better end of a lot of those plays last year, and now they've been on the the worst end of them so far this year. Totally. What I want to get to with Raheem Mostert, though, and I, I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan's game plan, and I want to start with Mostert because he had 16 carries in the first half, which was the second most he'd ever had in a game. Right. Which I thought was pretty incredible. But it was really clear that Shanahan... And the offensive coaching staff went in with a game plan to limit what Jimmy Garoppolo had to do on a on a sprained ankle. Like yeah. <laughs> you can play on a high ankle sprain. That doesn't mean it feels a hundred percent and it feels great. And I thought I said last week that there were gonna be multiple times where the phrase on Twitter like Kyle Shanahan's in his bag tonight was gonna be used. Yeah. And I, I think it was, I think in part because he was going against Sean McVay, but I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were trying to aid Garoppolo in, in uh, keeping the offense moving. Yeah. They had 37 runs in the stat sheet. And I think just about all of, I think all six of Debo Samuel's quote unquote receptions that he got, statistical credit for i think those were all running plays or what kyle shanahan considers running plays so you know that's 43 runs that little touch pass should be a run that's what that's what kyle that's what i'm saying yeah like kyle shanahan considers those runs those are by definition (laughs) passes and that's how they silly (laughs) that's how they're loaded like debo samuel six catches on six targets for 66 yards which is a lot of sixes but you know, it, it should be 43 runs instead of 37, and instead of 33 pass attempts, it should be 27, right? Um, so, just statistically, I mean, it, it was more lopsided uh, towards the run th- than we initially think, and Kyle Shanahan was asked about that today by, by Tim Kawakami about, um, you know, the, the statistical community talks a lot about, you know, running the ball and establishing the run is the archaic way of thinking, and Shanahan talked about it in in more nuanced terms than that, that, um, you know, running the ball a lot, the team is generally, I think he said they're 11-0 uh, when they have um, like 30 or more runs or something like that. And you don't run the ball to win, but running, being able to run the ball and doing so effectively is a symptom of playing well and being in a position to win. So you run the ball if you're Kyle Shanahan because it sets up everything you do offensively. And what I thought Shanahan did that that was really smart was basically design every pass play to get the ball out of Garoppolo's hands inside of like two and a half seconds. And complement that 
with a ton of motion, a ton of outside running schemes. Um, so, you know, receiver runs, whatever gadget plays, so that it's either one of those plays, a run, a more traditional run, or a pass it, it, that gets the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly. And if you execute well, you're not going to be in, you know, third and ten situations where then you're susceptible to, to Aaron Donald um, making hay uh, on the line of scrimmage. And what you do by getting the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quickly is prevent them from pinning their ears back, have have to think about moving laterally with all the stuff, um, all of the eye candy or um, window, window dressing. dressing. Yeah, whatever, whatever bad cliche you want to use, like... They all have to think about that stuff, and then it then it completely changes how the offensive line plays. And now instead of the offensive line, you know, um, being an issue in pass protection, the 49ers are dictating what they're doing to the defense, and the offensive line is going to be in a much better spot. And that's not to take away any credit from the offensive line because it played well. You have to get your offensive line to play well. Um, if you're going to have the success like they had on on Sunday, but like fourth down is a perfect example of it. Like the last two weeks, that fourth down play would have been a sack and Garoppolo. It would have been either a sack or a Garoppolo pick, um, because he wouldn't have been able to deal with the pressure, but because everything was designed to get the ball out so quickly and the Rams just happened to send a zero blitz, it worked out perfectly. And George Kittle gets a 44 yard touchdown. So Zero thought, blitz means there's nobody in the middle of the field. Just right, in case. everybody's rushing except for the one-on-one, um, the one-on-one matchups on the outside. Yeah. Um, Chris Collinsworth said it. I rewatched the game today. Chris Collinsworth said it late in the broadcast that he thought it was one of Kyle Shanahan's best performances. Yeah. Um, and and I agree with him, and I, I think all of that is really positive. But the one critique I would say is like, where was this week one? Right sure. and and you didn't have well, Debo Samuel, um, you didn't even have Brandon Ayuk, so maybe you just didn't have the players to to run all of those, um, you know the the uh, the reverses, the jet sweeps, the well, you know the swing passes, all of that stuff. So maybe that's why. But I, the the only critique I have of the game is why did it take so long to get to this point? Because this is who you've been the whole time. So I think what helped was. They got out to a lead, a a fourteen nothing lead, that allowed them to have the entire playbook at their disposal. Did Jimmy and Garoppolo it, have to make a second read on that first, on that first possession? Because it felt like I, everything I, I was like so. everything was pre designed. Like you fake here, you're gonna go this way because we have our blockers over there. Like everything, and it worked. It was. It was flawless, really. So what you're what you're getting at, though, is something that we kind of started to talk about before the pod was the sustainability of this game plan. Right. This felt like something where this was this is the Niners' identity. They're ne- they're ne- they're not going to be the 2016 Falcons where they're averaging nine and a half yards per pass attempt, and there's a lot of downfield stuff. Right. Like that's just that's that's not the identity of this team. But on at some point, I think it could be, but it's not right now. No, and at some point, like they're gonna have to rely on Garoppolo to drop back and you know go through a couple progressions and have the offensive line hold up. But the the Rams defense, I, I think I actually sent you a, a text during the game. It 
it was like halfway through the second quarter, and it's just the Rams had no idea on on the defensive side. Yeah, that Did was you, Kyle Kyle Shanahan. You know, made made work of of Brandon Staley. Yeah, it was it was as good as good as Brandon Staley's been. Um, Shanahan basically said it today. He was like, they have a very specific plan defensively, and we had a very specific counterattack to what they do. Yeah, and and he didn't explain it beyond that. But when Kyle Shanahan says something like that. That's him basically saying, admittedly, you know, after a win, after an impressive win, saying, right. "Yeah, we, we knew what we were doing when we had their number for sure." Well, um, and it helps. It helps too when this got overlooked a little bit. I think in the in the concern about Aaron Donald and the offensive line, the Rams' linebacking core is abysmal. It's really yeah. bad, and I think that's something that the Niners are going to take advantage of every single time, doing exactly what they did on on Sunday night. The offensive line gave up zero sacks after allowing ten the last two games. That's unbelievable. That against I'm, against against arguably the greatest interior defensive lineman of all time. Right, and so that that speaks on the to... trajectory. Calm down. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't totally disagree, but um, that that speaks to Kyle Shanahan's ability to get the ball out of Garoppolo's hand quickly, um, mm-hmm. and Garoppolo playing better, but. But in terms of sustainability, like Garoppolo's ankle is going to have to be better, right? Than it is for the forty for like he can't he couldn't go to New Orleans right now and replicate what he did in that December game last year. No chance. He's just not physically capable right now, and it's very clear when it comes to, um, you know, the accuracy he has on some of his throws. He's still there. Are still times where you wonder if he's in a rhythm or not when he has to when he has to make a play and. Um, you know, go through his progressions and, and, you know, take a five-step drop and all that stuff. Um, we haven't seen him connect on, on a deep pass in a while, it feels like. Um, and he had a couple opportunities in, in this game. Um, but, you know, like, it for right now, or for that game Sunday night, the game plan was perfect. Now yeah. the bigger question is, What's what's the counterpunch that the 49ers are going to have on Sunday when Bill Belichick right. tries to take it away? Right. And we'll talk about that later in the week when we preview that game. But in terms of sustainability, that now is is the big question, and it's going to be become it's going to be bec- it, and it's going to become even more difficult uh, without Mostert. So the 49ers have a very tough week on their hands and it would have been obviously much better to have Mostert there and it's a huge loss because all of that not all of it but a lot of the misdirection stuff a lot of the play action um a lot of that space you create is a result of Mostert's speed right. and you don't have anybody that can replicate that right now so they might lean on Jamichael Hasty a little bit who got his first extended playing time in the NFL and looked looked like in that small sample size the second best back on the team just by virtue of his his running style at least i thought and like i said maybe that maybe that was i don't want to say second best running back best his running style is best suited for this system in that he was really decisive he found a hole and he went i think Mm -hmm. his first carry went for nine yards he had that he had that uh, on the final, on the game ceiling drive, he, he went for 10 yards on the first play. Yep. Uh, he runs super hard. It's it's exactly what you saw at Baylor, and he's translating that into the NFL now. I, I think they're going to rely on him pretty heavily, and we can talk about that more during the week. But I did want to talk about 
you you mentioned in the rundown here Debo Samuel's emphatic run to ice the game. Yeah. And that was an instance, and we've seen this multiple times with Shanahan, and I think it just speaks to to how good of a job he does. And I, I, that's why I wanted to mention it here because uh, I, I want to mention the Kyle Shanahan angle on this more even than the, than the Debo Samuel angle. But on a third and seven, I don't know if there were a lot of people that were expecting anything other than that play to Samuel. Uh you know, my dad is sitting there going, they're going to run that play to Samuel and it's going to work. <laughs> and sure enough, they did it. But we've seen. Is that re- is that true? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He As it's happening, he's like, it's going to they, they can't stop it. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. <laughs> and I, I think that just goes to show he came in motion. They got him the ball and there was no there. The, I don't think the Rams did, did anything wrong. I don't think they were fooled by it. I don't think they misplayed it. The Niners just executed the hell out of the play, and it worked. And that's where I think Kyle Shanahan does a really good job that this play that's already worked, this play the defense probably knows is coming as soon as Samuel goes in motion, and they there's still nothing they can do about it because the Niners have, have executed it so perfectly. And then it helps when you, know, you have a refrigerator on a Roomba turning the corner, <laughs> but it yeah, was... I- it, Go ahead. I, I thought that so that play was one of two plays I <clears throat> I wrote down and that I wanted to talk about this week. It, it was that and Jimmy Garoppolo deciding to lower his shoulder into a Rams oh, corner, dude, on the third down. Um, <laughs> that that resulted in uh, in the forty nine yard field goal. Right. Um, as sort of like you know if there if there are like little moments you look at that sort of. I don't know if galvanized the team or like sparked the team sure. and gave the team like a jolt of energy, but like I, where I was sitting in the press box, I was like, that's dumb. Like Jimmy Garoppolo's yes. laying his throwing shoulder into somebody unnecessarily. Like you have a lead on a bad ankle on a bad <laughs> ankle. Right. Like that's dumb that you're hunting contact. And then I rewatched the game and I heard Collins were talking about it and he made a really good point. He's like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo's teammates gotta love that. Like that is what that that is an example of what Jimmy Garoppolo's teammates love about him. Right. And and it makes sense that it, I mean you think about it, they were on the very edge. They were outside of Robbie Gold's range when when Jimmy right. Garoppolo took that snap, and he had to get you know he got I think Gold's range. I don't Gold usually tells Kyle Shanahan like what the range is on any given kick. Right. But it's usually like 52 or 53 yards, right? So Jimmy Garoppolo going in there and going shoulder first instead of sliding makes it a 49-yard kick instead of a 52 or 53-yard kick basically, which is which could be missed, which would give the Rams uh excellent field position down by what just 5 points. Right. Um so, or not five well, points, no, but a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. T- yeah, less than two touchdowns. Less than two touchdowns. So, like, that's a pretty big. Those are pretty big, like three or four yards that Garoppolo got by lowering his shoulder. And then you see him get up and smiling and probably talking shit to defensive players. Like, nah, man, 
Like, I'm going shoulder first. <laughs> like, I'm not talking, worried about getting talk, hurt. Talking shit to defensive players after his three yards to bring up fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was like a seven or eight yard run. It was like a third and ten, I think. I don't know. I don't. I can go back and look. But the point being that, that I, I sort of think about that play in the same way as a Samuel play in that, you know, I'm sure the Rams players had a good idea that, that they saw it coming. But the way the Niners were blocking the play and the way Samuel just finished it, was like, man, that is that is a great way to finish a win if you're that team. Yeah. And and you saw it on, you know, just run through them. Third and seven, you get this, the game's over. Um, you put the stamp on everything you accomplished in the previous, you know, forty eight minutes or, or sorry, right. fifty eight minutes, whatever. Um and so Samuel just running through three dudes for like an extra five yards after the first down, like you could see the entire sideline just went bananas, including Kyle Shanahan. Um, I don't know that they ever, if they ever showed Kyle Shanahan's fist pump or like scream, but um, he had a pretty good one and he was pretty fired up after that one. But those are the moments like though, though that's winning football, right? When yes. somebody knows what you're doing and you're just going to say, no, nah, I'm going to run through you anyway. Like and that's winning football. And I think it was, it's, uh, it just should be noted that like, We'll talk about, you know, Jim. We spend a lot of time talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as the passer, and you know, we talk about his like his teammates love him and stuff. That is an ex- a tangible example of what his teammates like about him, and you can't always replace that if you're always thinking like, if you want to get a different quarterback because you think he's better, that's one thing, but like factoring in Garoppolo's impact on his teammates in that in those sort of moments is something right. that not every new quarterback can bring you and is something that the 49ers think about when they talk about their faith in Garoppolo. Yeah, the other thing the Niners are doing, just to kind of put a bow on this emphatic run bit here, <laughs> is they're just getting the ball to their best players. Yeah. It's not fancy. It's not fake it to Debo Samuel to try and hit Trent Taylor on an eight-yard out. You know, it, it's just, it, here's, they drafted Debo Samuel in the second round to make plays like that. They paid George Kittle to make plays like that fourth and two play. Debo Samuel uh, had seven runs. Yes. But that's, that, that's what, that's what they drafted him to do. That versatility. They paid George Kittle to make, to turn fourth and twos into 44 yard touchdowns. It's sometimes it's that easy. Right. Uh, not easy, but it's it's that simple where, you know, you're on the ropes, get the ball to your best players and let them make plays. And I thought I thought they did that last night. As far as Garoppolo goes, he was definitely <laughs> bar wasn't high. He finished the game, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was obviously though much better than than he was on, on Sunday. Or, or in week five against the Dolphins. He finished 23 of 33 for 268, three touchdowns, 8.1 yards per attempt. But it, it was still not, it was better. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell's character in Miracle, he plays Herb Brooks, the coach of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. He's working with Jim Craig in this montage of Jim Craig, the goalie, trying to be better. And he has this line where he says, better, not good, but better. And that's how it felt about Garoppolo yesterday. He was he executed the game plan, which is what you want to do. He executed it at a relatively high level. But it's and it's not even him. It's like he needs to be healthier. Yeah. 
if they're if they're going to uh, continue to knock off these teams coming up on their schedule. So I, I I'm I'm encouraged, but I'm not ready to say that Garoppolo is is all the way back yet. Right, because you know how realistically, if the 49ers like are the 49ers going to get cornerback play that good every week? Maybe. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but if they don't and they have to play a shootout, can they win that type of game? Um, because the type of offensive football they played against the Rams is going to win you a game when your defense is playing well, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to win a game if your defense is not playing well. So the obviously with all the injuries that the 49ers have on the defensive side, their margin for error on defense is, is just much more slim. Um, and even when the defense was getting gashed last year, like in New Orleans, to me, one of the biggest plays in that Saints game, uh, I think it was the second quarter, both teams were scoring at will, and then Nick Bosa made that ridiculous stop um, on Taysom Hill to, to force the first yeah, punt of the game. when he got held. Yeah, when he got held, and it completely changed the momentum. So even though the defense w- was sort of getting towards that game, having Nick Bosa to make plays is still a much different thing that the 49ers don't have right now right like they have Fred Warner the defensive line is can you know can be decent enough against the run um they can cover people right now although that you know we'll see with with Marcel Harris if he has to start in place of Jukowski Tart but that that's why this ties into Garoppolo is if you know can the Niners win a game where you have to get 30 or 40 points and I, I think we're still we're probably too much in the infancy of, you know, Brandon Ayuk being a pro, Debo Samuel being back from the injury. You know, these guys have had two practices uh, working together, and now you're trying to do it again without Mostert. So, you know, you're going to have to throw to Debo Samuel down the field at some point. It can't only be, you know, seven runs. Like, that's giving Debo Samuel and making him a glorified running back is is only going to work for so long. Like, that can be a, yeah. a significant part of his game, but he's going to have to go downfield and make plays. Yeah. Um, Brandon Ayuk's going to need more than two catches, right? So, yeah. the, these are all really good things for the 49ers on Sunday, but Jimmy Garoppolo does need to get healthier so he can do this drop back game because if you're the 49ers and you want to be a playoff team, that's like the bar he has to be at for you to get to that level. And if he gets above that level, then maybe you're talking about like something, you know, 10 wins where you're not sort of just on the fringe, which is sort of, I think you and I are, are, are in agreement right now. We think they're on the fringe of, of being a playoff contender. And we're talking like, way low like a sixth or seventh seed um right but if they were to get really good play drop back passing play from garoppolo if he got healthier which seems like it's only possible if he gets healthier which is really tough to do on a high ankle sprain yeah um then you could start talking about them maybe as like you know a five or six seed something like that let's uh let's take a quick break and then dive into the defense give out some uh good game bad game awards and get out of here even though sports had a break your business did not you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search 
that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of your online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Uh, covering games from home, it's been really nice to to just sit back and watch football and, and maybe have a little bit of Pepsi. Um refreshing it's been warm out kyle we've been trying to beat the heat and uh pepsi is a great companion for these football games it's the best it's the best thing when it's halftime and you know you have that lull where you have a few minutes to kind of take your mind off of football and away from work and note taking and all that and you go to the fridge it's hot and you grab a pepsi dude there's it's the best part of gaming it's it's like a it's like an oasis. Get away from the computer, treat yourself to a Pepsi, and uh, and then resume the second half. Be recharged, be refreshed, and ready to go. And Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those of us who play the game. It's made for those of us who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. I want to talk about the Niners' defense real quick. And then we'll get to our post-game awards. They have suddenly become a team that was built around its pass rush. They've suddenly become a team that is going to have to be built around their secondary or, or have their defense thrive because of their secondary. And Robert Sala said it last week. He said, I believe this is still a top 10 unit and a top 5 unit when we're playing our best. And when he said that, I immediately took it as just coach speak. Like, of course, he's not going to be like, yeah, you know, we're a bottom half unit. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> you know, he's obviously not going to say that. But they looked legitimately like a top 10 defense thanks to the cornerback play they got out of Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley, who was back in the lineup and uh, sorely missed, it turns out. Yeah, you want to know why? I, I think these these set of statistics really tell the story of, of the game for the 49ers. Um, Cooper cup, three catches on nine targets for 11 for 11 yards. I went on the radio on your radio station before the game, 95, seven, the game, 95, seven, the game. Don't you, I think you host a midday show there. What 10 to two. I I don't, sorry, you produce it. I produce it. I sure do. 10 to two. Yeah. Uh, and dips. Go ahead. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that before, but, um, no, never. I went on your radio station to preview the game, and I said Jamar Taylor against Cooper Cup. Like, there's, there's a. I think I texted you and, and Wagner saying, "What's the over under for Cooper Cup?" Didn't I say one twenty five? Yeah, you said it, it was a lot, but not, not an amount that was like, oh, that's unrealistic. Right, Cooper <laughs> Cup against Jamar Taylor. Like, I've I watched all every training camp practice 
with Jamar Taylor on defense, and I wasn't totally impressed, put it that way, right? So, like, Cooper Cup, one of the best slot receivers in the league against the 49ers backup trying to replace Kwan Williams. If you would have told me Sunday morning that Cooper Cup was going to have three catches on nine targets for 11 yards, I was like, all right, well, the 49ers are probably going to win. But he gets better than that for the defense because Robert Woods, presumably their number one receiver, four, four catches, 10, 10 targets, 29 yards. Um, Man, Jared is... Goff was not good in this game, but the 49ers getting limiting the Rams top two receivers to seven catches on 19 targets for 40 yards yeah. is, is a huge win for the 49ers based on, you know, the brand, the Brian Allen disaster from, from last week. So, yeah. you know, Emmanuel Mosley definitely matters a lot to this defense. Um, and Jason Verrett. I mean, I don't know what you can Man. like. He's good. I, you know, I've always been sort of of the belief that, you know, if healthy Jason Verrett can be good. Like, no, Jason Verrett is balling right now. His passer rating allowed is seven. <laughs> it's a, he is seven point eight, and but it's the best among corners in the NFL, according to our guy uh, PFF Jeff Jeff Dini at Pro Football Focus. Not to be that guy, but according to Pro Football Focus, it's seven point zero. But Either way, okay. it's Sorry. single digits. <laughs> he's been targeted 11 times. He's given up four catches for 24 yards. He has an interception and three pass breakups, no touchdowns allowed. The longest reception he's allowed is nine yards. He peeled off his man when he saw the ball thrown and went and and made the pick in what could have been, like if the, if the Rams score a touchdown on that fourth down, it's a it's a game changing play. You feel like all right, the Niners' offense is stalling out. You lose Raheem Mostert. Like once Raheem Mostert left the game, like I had the ugly. thought, I was like, oh man, this could be just a disastrous second half. If the Rams come back to win this game in the second half, which seemed very much like a possibility um, when Mostert left after the 49ers dominated, that would be like a huge blow to the season. Yeah. If the 49ers would have blown a well, 21 to six lead at halftime or whatever it yeah. was. Um, and that but thought I, I ran agree through with my you. mind. It felt that way. Yeah. But Jason Verrett snatching a, a interception, you know, taking a touchdown off the board essentially, because it looked like that would have been complete if he wasn't there. And the play um, before that Cooper cup juggled it. a pass on the sideline and at first, I thought it was a flat-out drop, and I think it might have been, but Mosley got there a step late and hit him as the he was kind of juggling it. Yeah. So, good play by Mosley. That's what I was going to say. But Jason Verrett. Mosley was great. Verrett was great. Um, yeah, Verrett, a 95 overall grade from PFF. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. one of the best corners in the league, and I made the case in something I wrote that, like, I think it's very clear through six games – and knock on wood, Jason Verrett stays healthy the rest of the way. Um, you know, like this is this is a defensive or a uh, comeback player of the year candidate, like no yes. doubt. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of them this year, and I yeah. made the mistake of tweeting that last night that he could win comeback player of the year. Yeah, and Steelers fans got a hold of it, and apparently saying that Jason Verrett's having a great year was a slight on Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, all so I Steelers said. Steelers fans can eat my shorts. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if Rack you say it. somebody's a candidate, like there can't only be one candidate. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not that's not how this goes. You can't have one candidate for 
for comeback yeah, like, player of the year. People people are gonna make an argument for Alex Smith, the fact that he played it all. Uh, Alden Smith. Yeah. Speaking of former 49ers. Alden Smith has a great having case. a great year. Like yeah. it, it, there's a Jason Barrett is in the conversation, and that's the point. Yeah, he's a candidate. There's he's no really doubt good. about it. And there's um, a there's a there's a world where Richard Sherman comes back, and even if K1 Williams is still on IR. Mosley goes to the slot, and you have Verrett and and Sherman. If they're both playing at a high level, that's all of a sudden a very very good secondary. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, Verrett being good is is far and away the best story for the 49ers so Incredible. far. Regardless of what happens to the team this season, if Verrett and and you know like you said, knock on wood, if Verrett plays the rest of the way and continues to play well. It'll be a, a, a incredible, incredible story. Well, we talk all the time about how the 49ers need a cornerback and they don't really have anybody. Um, just given that literally all of their cornerbacks are free agents after the season, if all you have to do is pay Jason Verrett rather than, you know, go pay a high priced free agent right. or um or you know, you only have to use one draft pick instead of two at the position. Um, like Verrett has basically found money for them. And if he can, if he could do what what sort of Jimmy Ward did, in that he could play at a high level um, despite his super long list of injury issues, right? Then that is huge for the 49ers because that's that's one that's another spot that they don't have to fill with a premium asset or a premium resource, right? Yeah. Whether that's cap money or a draft pick. Um, so you know, if if again, knock on wood, I feel you know I. I wrote about Jason Verrett last week, and I just, or maybe the week before, I forget. It's all bleeding together. Shout out to COVID. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, you know, I just get worried, like that we're gonna hype up Jason Verrett, and then it's, it's, you know, we're gonna jinx him and some terrible habits. And I, he deserves I so hope... every bit of shine he's getting. Right yeah, now. absolutely. The dude, you know, they talked about on the broadcast, like the dark places that he's been to mentally and dealing with all that. Like this is a dude who's missed like basically four seasons because of he, catastrophic injuries after being a first round draft pick. Like I couldn't imagine what that's like. He has um, played, he's played four games this year, which ties the most he's played in a season since 2016. Yeah. He played, uh, two games combined over the last three years and his 200 and how many snaps is he at? 231, I think. 232 snaps is almost quadruple what he's played the last three seasons. Yeah, it's an it's an incredible story. And like for him to be this good, not just like, oh, he's a good player, like this good is, is wild. Yeah, he's, he's going to be, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to be a pro bowler and maybe an all pro. Yeah, if this incredible. is a level that they get from him, for sure. I don't Winners think that's crazy. I would have thought that was crazy coming into the year, but yeah, wow. Winners and losers with a different name. We're calling it good game, bad game. I think it's that easy. Who was I good? Th- who was I bad? like it. Okay, uh, let's let's just. No one can get mad. No one can get mad. Since we were on the topic, Jason Verrett, good game. Good game, Jason Verrett. And I actually had his interception. I do a little like quick recap where it's just, uh, you know, uh, final score. What were the keys to the game? Um, the three stars and one of the little subheads is it was over when and i said it was over when verrett made his interception that was as close as the rams really got to to realistically being back in the game yeah they scored there it's a completely different game yeah 
Uh, bad game, Jared Goff. Not great. Yeah, I was really surprised <laughs> because Jared Goff had been having a really nice season. Yeah. Um, he missed – you talked about the receiver numbers. He missed Cooper Cup on that on that deep shot where he just kind of ran past Jaquaski Tart and Jamar Taylor, and it was going to be six, and Goff just – threw it over the wrong shoulder overthrew it it was not a good not a good game for him yeah like coming into it i'm I'm trying to look like you know his target his his passer rating the last four games was all over 100 um and he threw for 267 321 uh 200 309 he just had 198 yards and and the worst passer rating of his season and by far his worst yards per attempt and was just like there were some throws where you're like man like those dudes are open, yes. Um, and it yeah, wasn't missed, like there was a ton a of pressure. Of really easy ones. Yeah, there there wasn't a ton of pressure. It was just it was just kind of a weird off game from Jared Goff. Um, and you know I'm I'm sure the 49ers cornerback play had something to do with it, but it was also just um, you know if Goff was sharper, it would have been a much more difficult game. Yeah. Uh, who who's your first who's your first good game? Um. I mean Kyle Shanahan. Oh yeah, fair. I mean, I, a good one. Kyle Shanahan is, uh, you know, I, I think it was one of his better regular season performances. Um, but as good as it was for Sunday, like we mentioned earlier, I'm very, very curious to see how it, how the offense evolves and and the plan evolves going forward, because you're going to need a really really good plan to back that one up going against Bill Belichick this week. And yep. if you don't think Bill Belichick has circled this this game on his calendar, Kyle, um, with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to town, uh, I think you'd you'd sadly you'd be sadly mistaken, because I think he's going to take this game personally. Yeah. And uh, Bill Belichick, with with a lot of gusto behind his game planning, I think is uh, is going to throw a lot at Kyle Shanahan, and and I'm not entirely sure the 49ers are in a place to to adjust but um but we'll see but for sunday shanahan was excellent excellent game plan um he got his team to execute really well and yeah. uh and he deserves a, a good game call here bad game for me which ties into uh, a good game bad game for aaron donald and i'm only doing that because it feels like it may be the only time we ever get to do that yeah he was uh rendered ineffective yeah, I mean the fact that he didn't completely wreck the game is a huge win for the 49ers and like a major yep. key to the game, right? It was the biggest key, I think. And to that end, a good game from the O-line, especially Daniel Brunskill, who was somebody in something I wrote before the game, uh, it was like seven key 49ers or whatever it was, but he was a guy that that had not been playing very well and that I thought the Rams were going to try and isolate Aaron Donald on, and they did, and he held his own for the most part. I think he had one pressure allowed and and uh hats off to Daniel Brunskill and the entire offensive line for for allowing the 49ers to execute the game plan the way they did. Aaron Donald had one assisted tackle, one tackle and one quarterback hit. Wow. Wow. He had four sacks a week before. It's I've never watched a Rams game and and forgotten that Aaron Donald was on the field. Yeah. And that happened multiple times last night. Yeah. Um, even go watch go watch Debo Samuel's last last run. I, I I mean he's just never and granted they were running away from him, which I'm sure was by design. But 
he just never never got any kind of penetration, never started flowing down the line. He just kind of got blocked like a run-of-the-mill defensive lineman, which is a, a weird thing to see because he is a transcendent uh, Hall of Fame caliber player. Yes. You got one more good game. Not a lot of bad games, uh, and really none worth pointing out for the 49ers. So I actually have a bonus one that we didn't even oh, mention that we, haven't, that. that we haven't talked about at all. Um, which is kind of funny, but uh, the one I wrote down is Jamichael Hasty. Yes, um, because he had a couple first down runs. Uh, you know, nine runs, thirty-seven yards. Not like the. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah, nine runs, thirty-seven yards. Not like an incredible game by any means, but the fact that he was able to come in and give the offense a spark and move the chains twice. Um, including a 10-yard first down run on the final possession that sealed it. Um, just an encouraging sign from somebody you might have to rely on more and more as the season goes. I, I think, I don't know that Hasty is going to be, you know, getting 10 carries a game now because I think that, you know, Jeff Wilson might be uh, more likely to be that guy, even Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, Wilson missed a game with a calf injury, obviously, but he's expected back this week. But getting Hasty some burn in that spot when you're really counting on somebody who can move the ball um, could give him a lot of confidence. And if he could turn into a plus player, um, that would be a big thing. And so I'm, yep. you know, I'm. I think it's an encouraging first step for Hasty. All right. I have. What's oh. your What's your bonus one? I am on pins and needles here. Um, we haven't mentioned George Kittle at all. Oh. Yeah. And he had seven catches for 109 yards and a score. He's still talking the pod. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but you know, we should at least mention his name. I think we I he we was touched really on, good. He's very good. Um, the best throw and catch of the game was was the fourth down touchdown. Um, sometimes like it's weird with Garoppolo. Sometimes he there will be like a stationary target that he'll miss completely. But sometimes he'll be really good at throwing the guys on the move. Yeah, and maybe he just needs to see the guys to. He just needs to see the guys moving to to be better. I don't know. It's weird, but um, yeah, George Kittle, uh, good game. He had he he did have a missed block um, on a hasty run uh, late. That um, maybe we'll check in with him on on Thursday when he talks to the media and see how he felt about that. But um, other otherwise, good game from George Kittle. Yeah, he's really good. All right, uh, let's wrap up with the Demontre Moore MVP award. For me, it's Debo Samuel. Okay. Not only because of the way he finished the game, uh, but he scored the opening touchdown. And then I thought one of, and maybe the the thing that kind of catalyzed everything was his run. Was it the first play of the game where it looked like he got tackled? Second play. Second play of the game where yeah. it looked like he was down, but he kept his legs moving and then had the wherewithal to stand up and, and keep going. Right. I thought that was a huge play because if he just kind of goes down there, who knows how that drive ends? Well, instead he goes for 35 yards or whatever it was and, and gets into Rams territory and just really kind of kind of kick-started the, the offensive performance for the 49ers. So, yeah, he's uh, a and tone then, setter. And then, he, and, then he, and then he finished it. Yeah, that that's it. He is... There is a very specific element that he brings that they just don't have because he's such a unique player. 
Yeah, when you're a teammate and you see somebody just running through DB's face, like Debo Samuel, he weighs a lot and he's like a thicker dude, especially for a receiver. He's a very wide human. He's not he's not a big guy though. No. Like he he might be six feet tall. He's just willing he's a bowling ball and just smashes through people. Yes. Like if you're the same size as him, he's still running through you. Right. Um, and, and that, that really rubs off on his teammates. And I think the offensive line in particular, I know, you know, the same thing's true about Kittle running through people, but the offensive line in particular loves that. So like when they see a little guy having the same mentality that they do when it comes to just being physical, um, that's really important for, for this particular version of the 49ers offense. I also, Uh, just speaking of, because we forgot to bring it up earlier, I should say, I forgot to bring it up earlier. Honorable mention for some category, pick whatever it is, uh, for Raheem Mostert dribbling a linebacker's face off yeah. the turf. That was very impressive. Okay, keep going. Um, Tavarius Moore's uh, pinned punt at the one-yard line also deserves oh, incredible. Um, yeah. a shout-out on this pod. Um, <clears throat> so my MVP isn't a player. So um, it's, just, it's Kyle Shanahan because... I thought you were going to say Eric Branch. Well, that kind of goes without saying. He's perpetually the MVP. Um, God, Pranch is just the best. But <laughs> sorry, keep going. <laughs> but um, yeah, Shannon, just the game plan. Just just knowing that you are not going to win a game with your quarterback, bec- who you know is going to he. You can't win a game if you're asking your quarterback to do five and seven step drops the entire time. Um, so getting the ball out of his hand quickly finding creative ways to run the ball, including being stubborn with it and just saying, we're going to give Debo Samuel seven rushing attempts. <laughs> like, ha- has that ever happened? Have you ever seen a-, a receiver get that many rushing attempts in an NFL game? I don't think I no, ever have. No, and, and, and there's going to be somebody listening going, well, he had six receptions. No, the the little shovel, like not even a shovel pass, right. like a touch pass, we're calling that a run. Kyle That's Shanahan in his press conference today said the coaching staff calls those running plays. Like those they plays are, are installed are. They during. They should be run plays. They're they're installed during the run periods. So, um, but yeah, the the willingness to stick to that and and have it look, you know, they do it out of a bunch of different formations, right? Um, they there was there's right. a different look for almost all of them, um, and that takes a, a ton of creativity. Um, so you know, I. I I do have questions as to why it took this long to do that, and it probably has to do with the fact that Samuel was out and Ayuk was so new, um, and you're not going to run these with Kendrick Bourne, obviously. Um, so maybe that was why they didn't do more of this earlier in the season. But um, I think it was excellent for Sunday, and uh, we'll have to see if it's as good going forward. But I think Kyle Shanahan essentially was the reason the 49ers won. And the cornerback. That's play. fair. That's That's very fair. It turns out that you know, not throwing a practice squad DB to the Wolves is is or, an effective game. Or the Dolphins. No? <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> it's a good joke. Okay. Good joke by you. Thanks. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back. You know what? Hey, uh, on the fly, let's do another episode tomorrow. We're going to record another episode. Oh, you okay. sure? Yes. What are we going to talk about? Uh, I don't know. Wow, we're no, going to no, we episodes this we've week? Been, I, 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 no, I just I have had in my brain that we missed an episode at some point this season. 
and we've been needing to make it up. So this seems like a good time to just kind of evaluate where the team is at. And they're three and three, kind of going into a tough stretch. So I, I just think there needs to be a deeper dive into the kind of long term stuff. Um, don't worry. Bonus about episode. All right. Yeah, well, bonus thankfully, of, of, uh, I will figure it out. Don't worry. Oh, you got this. Yes. Should I producing on the fly? Should I trust you with this? I'm telling you right now that we're doing an episode tomorrow. So there will be three episodes this week. So check your feeds for that. Subscribe, rate, review if you hadn't. It's uh, Candlestick Chronicles. Wherever you get your podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.